Welcome back, everybody, to The Luke Beasley Show. It is great to be with you on this Thursday. I hope you're doing absolutely fantastic. Why not? Uh, as I mentioned to you at the end of the Monday show, I was taking off some days of the show to travel to Miami, Florida, and cover the arrest and arraignment of Donald Trump at the federal courthouse in Miami, more specifically chatting with Trump supporters outside of the courthouse and getting a sense of their feelings on the whole situation. Um, I guess you could say, and I got a sense of their feelings on the whole situation for sure. Um, as you'll know, David Pakman and I uh, partner on things like this, and he covered these interviews already. And so many of you have written into the show, um, sent messages saying, holy smokes, this is possibly your most wild batch of interviews yet. Very concerning, afraid for your safety, <laughs> um, all of that. And I tend to agree. It, it was a very wild batch of interviews. I think in part because um, normally when I'm conducting these interviews with Trump supporters, a lot of times it's in a setting where they're more likely to be sort of loose, happy, a Trump rally, it's celebratory almost. This was not that, right? An arrest and arraignment of the dear leader was a setting where it would be very, um, very prone to anger, I guess, um, for sure. And that was directed in many cases at me. I actually had, it was very strange. I'll talk about this more when we do the coverage of the interviews themselves, but I had two separate Trump supporters follow me around for different points during the day and scream during my interviews, telling people not to interview with me. <laughs> it was, uh, ah, stop. No, wait. <laughs> and they would just say, he's a liberal. Get away from him. It was wild. Um, so that gives you a sense of what you're going to see. And I'll try to tomorrow start doing my normal deep dives into these interviews where I kind of break down one at a time. But what I want to do on YouTube exclusively is kind of a more fast paced breakdown of a bunch of different moments. And so I'll try to put that together uh, today now that I'm back. And for our patrons, I'll send out a link to that whenever I get it uploaded, possibly tomorrow. And then, like I said, for everyone, I'll start breaking down the individual uh, interviews themselves on tomorrow's show. But a lot of wild stuff, troubling for sure and a lot of anger that Trump was indicted. But with that being said, another person unhappy that Trump was indicted was Trump. Donald Trump spoke in Bedminster, New Jersey after his arrest and arraignment. Many of you have probably seen moments from this. I'm a little late to the party because as I just mentioned in the intro today to today's show, but for our YouTube segment viewers, um, I was in Miami, Florida. So I was traveling, got back, and now I wanna discuss this speech. Very fascinating because of how weak his defense is of what he's being accused of. And if this, what he's saying publicly, is representative of what he's going to say in court in defending himself um, against the uh, criminal charges against him in regard to his mishandling of classified documents, the obstruction, the lying to federal authorities, trying to cover it up, um, all of that, then I don't think he has a shot, a very good shot, of being successful in his defense. And you'll definitely see what I'm saying as we walk through some of these moments. Again, this is at his club in Bedminster, Bedminster, I should say, New Jersey. And we'll start with this moment. Charging a former president of the United States under the Espionage Act of 1917 wasn't meant for this. An act for a crime so heinous that only the death penalty would do and threatening me with 400 years in prison for possessing my own presidential papers, which just about every other president has done, is one of the most outrageous and vicious legal theories ever put forward in an American court of law. 
The Espionage Act has been used to go after traitors and spies. It has nothing to do with a former president legally keeping his own documents. Charging So you notice, um, and what we talked about even before he was officially arraigned, was his defense is just, it, it doesn't even address, and that's what's so fascinating about this and just going to be a complete failure, I think, for him if he tries to go this direction in court, is it doesn't even address the the evidence, the accusations against him. Um, it's not trying to say, no, what you're accusing me of is not at all what I'm guilty of. You're misinterpreting the events and that evidence is incorrectly presented or it's manipulated or it's none of that. It's just, yeah, I did all the things <laughs> that you're accusing me of, but it's okay. I'm choosing that it's okay. My interpretation of the law that I am repeatedly misstating means that I can do whatever I'd like. And I'll talk more about what I mean by that um, after this second clip. The president enjoys unconstrained authority to make decisions regarding the disposal of documents. That's unconstrained to make that decision. Neither the archivist nor Congress has the authority to veto the president's decision. The Presidential Records Act does not confer any mandatory or even discretionary authority on the archivist to classify records. Under the statute, this responsibility is left solely to the President of the United States. Think of that. That's the decision. Think of that. Mm. Mm. <laughs> so you'll notice He's making points about the president's authority. Well, let me state a few things here. He keeps bringing up the Presidential Records Act. He's not being charged for violating the Presidential Records Act. And also, he wasn't complying with the Presidential Records Act um, as he was fact-checked during the scene in town hall. And um, when you actually read the Presidential Records Act, he'll say it means something. It just doesn't. And then even when Caitlin Collins presented the information to him, he still um, charged forward so he wasn't even in compliance with the presidential records act but he's not being charged for violating the presidential records act and he wasn't president when he did the things that he's being charged for and so he's making points about the authority of the president when it comes to classified material but he wasn't president he was a former president um at the time he committed the crimes or allegedly committed the crimes he's being charged for and as a reminder of what he is being charged with as the washington post outlines trump indicted on 37 counts over classified documents uh, 31 counts of willful retention of national defense information three counts of withholding or concealing documents in a federal investigation two counts of false statements one count of conspiracy to obstruct justice and what he never will address is the fact that a lot of what makes his case so severe yes is the sensitivity of the material is the um irresponsible actions he took in allowing that material to be uh, so accessible to someone who who wasn't uh, allowed to have that information access that that sensitive material and also he obstructed the investigation allegedly he lied to federal authorities allegedly he uh, seemed to conspire with his staffers uh, nada lawyers to try to prevent the federal government from getting these documents back. He 
knew that he was he was not supposed to have these documents or at least that the federal government was saying that he wasn't allowed to they they were asking for this material and he was telling them you have everything i don't have any documents left and then after asking for months and months they raided his home and found that indeed he did have documents and the evidence seems to show that he knew he still had these documents and that's why he can't interact with the evidence he can't um refute the evidence because it's so damning it's so clear i invite you once again to actually read the unsealed indictment yourself um quick funny moment <laughs> one of the conversations i had with a trump supporter outside of the courthouse on tuesday was about his feeling that this is all political persecution and i said okay have you read the unsealed indictment every person i asked there hadn't read the indictment okay um but I pulled out my phone and just started reading it <laughs> and then he stopped me eventually but i was just um reading the indictment to him it was very very funny but i invite you to actually read the indictment um and you'll see any reasonable person would see that the evidence is clear and the violation of the law um is very clear and that's why it has to be let's talk about anything other than the actual thing he, uh, he's being accused of the actual violations of the law he's being accused of then you have this because the sham indictment put forward by the Biden administration included staged photographs of boxes at Mar-a-Lago, many people have asked me why I had these boxes. Why did you want them? The answer, in addition to having every right under the Presidential Records Act, is that these boxes were containing all types of personal belongings, many, many things, shirts and shoes and everything. As can be seen in the picture where someone, not me, I wonder who it might have been, dumped one of the very neatly arranged boxes all over the floor. They were full of newspapers, press clippings, thousands of pictures, thousands and thousands of White House pictures. So then this is the other thing that is being done by many of his supporters. Come on, this was just his personal stuff. This was nothing sensitive and in the build-up to finding out what indeed he had in these boxes with this classified material that again in the indictment you see that he was recognizing caught on audio recordings recognizing the information was still classified he knew that at the time now he says otherwise but the joke not really joke but the um hypothetical that people defending trump would throw out there is what what are you thinking he had information on nuclear weapons or nuclear capabilities come on and uh, yes that's what he had <laughs> some of this classified information had to do with the nuclear capability uh capabilities of countries and that is as sensitive as it gets and he was acting irresponsibly and maliciously it seems in attempting to uh, keep this information and then uh one more moment from this speech they lawlessly pierced my attorney-client privilege with lawyers. What they did to lawyers, what they have done to our lawyers, our lawyers, all of our lawyers, they've done things that were absolutely horrible and unthinkable. The Quickly before he moves on to his next point, of course, what he's talking about is um, indeed lawyers of his were required to themselves provide information and testify, but that's because, as is the case under um current law in the united states yes lawyers have attorney client privilege and usually are protected from having to um testify in situations like this except when and this is something that every single 
including Trump, person who's aware of the law is aware of, um, except for when the lawyer is being used in furtherance of a crime. If they are a part of, or there's enough evidence that indicates um, they are being used to commit a crime, they are a part of a crime, then that attorney-client privilege can be pierced. So just don't commit so many crimes around or with your lawyers, then they wouldn't have to be testifying. The leaking has been unbelievable and highly illegal. They leak. We've learned more about from the Washington Post, New York Times, about the DOJ's boxes hoax. It's a boxes hoax. Then from prosecutors themselves, we they lawlessly. And then again, make it about anything other than what he's being accused of. Oh, the leaks. The leaks should be the real focus. I said that was the last moment. I actually have one more thing to look at. So absurd. Take a look at this. I will appoint a real special prosecutor to go after the most corrupt president in the history of the United States of America, Joe Biden, and the entire Biden crime family. Name a special prosecutor. Don't you love it? <laughs> and by love it, I mean hate it, but let's keep it lighthearted. Um, don't you love the fact that Again, in so many of these conversations with Trump supporters at the federal courthouse in Miami on Tuesday, the thing that they would say is, listen, I don't know, let's not even talk about the indictment. Let's not talk about what he's being accused of because we just shouldn't have a situation in this country where the political opponent of the president is being indicted. That can't happen. And that's horrible. And Trump's a current presidential candidate. How dare he be held accountable legally? And then they turn around and go, yeah, lock up Biden. Don't lock up your political opponents if it's Trump. And it's not Biden locking uh, Trump up as they say that it is. Of course, there's been an extensive investigation independent of Biden that has uncovered some very damning evidence. And that's what Trump is being held accountable for, um, separate from Joe Biden. And we should have in this country an actual situation where law and order exists as they say they support and no one is above the law and this is what that represents um but then they'll turn around after saying that about trump and go lock him up about biden and support trump investigating trump being directly involved in appointing a special counsel trying to get uh an investigation into joe biden the biden crime family very hypocritical but as we know hypocrisy is yummy to trump We've been covering these House oversight hearings. I just kind of want to take a little break from the Trump news because it is very pressing, but take a break from that for now in this segment and talk about a recent hearing as we've been discussing with the House Oversight Committee led by James Comer, all of these political stunt styled hearings, just an attempt to usually attack Biden or the left and not actually discuss solutions. They said when they were campaigning so many times uh, in twenty. 22 uh, in that midterm election, we're going to address inflation and gas prices and stuff like that. And then now we're getting hearing after hearing that is accomplishing nothing. And I have another example of that for you here. And this one, let me get the title for you. This one was titled Death by a Thousand Regulations, the Biden Administration's Campaign to Bury America in Red Tape. Um, and as has been the case with a lot of these hearings, they just keep backfiring on the organizers, on James Comer, on the Republicans. This is supposed to be their moment to shine. They got the majority in the House, very thin majority, but they got it. They can have the House Oversight Committee and organize these hearings. And then they just implode often. 
And because of uh, the presence of Democrats in the room who have taken this as an opportunity to point out the absurdity of these hearings. And um, it's been great. So with that being said, I have a few moments from this most recent one, starting with AOC here. We're here discussing rolling back a regulatory state, not even pointing out a specific area, not even a specific area. I mean, what are we here for? I yield back. And James Comer is about to jump in and try to dunk on AOC. Um, it doesn't go well. Take a look. Gentle lady yields back, but it, uh, the purpose of the committee hearing is to talk about many different regulations. And I'm amused that the, the gentle lady is concerned about raising the age, the regulation that limits the age for pilots when there's a shortage of pilots, but they're okay with a, with a president of the United States who's more than 20 years older than it, the minimum uh, age. Mr. Chairman, since you're referring to me, it's not age, it's training hour time. The number of hours that an individual is training, not the age. <laughs> So, God forbid we don't lower the amount of training hours it takes to be a pilot flying a, a pod full of people through the sky. Um, but I don't even understand the point he was trying to make. Let's say AOC also is against lowering the age that you have to be to be a pilot, which she's not. She's saying it's training hours. But let's just say, still, what was the point he was trying to make? That connects to Biden's age how? You want to make sure that you have to be a certain age to be a pilot, but you're okay with Biden, who's old. <laughs> what? Didn't see how those two things connected. Maybe I missed something. But it kind of gets to the core of the absurdity of this because just this whole idea of regulations bad, let's roll back as many regulations as possible. That's not a productive conversation, but often that's the one that's gone to by many uh, within the GOP and people like the sound of that. And I've talked about before, uh, the idea that the GOP is really good at one thing, and that's branding, branding their messages in a way that clearly people buy into because they're able to win elections, probably not as much as they want to, but enough elections often. And it it uh, is because of the effective bumper sticker politics that is done, right? Where the messages that they put out are sort of taking what are somewhat complex, nuanced discussions, solidifying them down into something that fits on a bumper sticker, but actually serves the opposite um, agenda than the one that the voters should be supporting, which would actually benefit their lives and be the best for the country. But because it's effective on a bumper sticker, it's a good, quick message. A lot of people think it's the right message for them when it's absolutely not and so a lot of people i've talked to plenty of my personal life clearly they buy into this with their support of the gop just think the term regulation is bad oh regulation let's get rid of woohoo trump says i'm gonna get his, get rid of as many regulations as possible if i was president yeah absolutely but what does that mean because it absolutely depends on the specific regulation let's talk about individual one are there bad ones sure we could find some bad ones but often in the name of let's get rid of as many regulations as possible, they eliminate and roll back important ones that are protecting people. Often that's the purpose of a regulation is to protect people when the free market hasn't been doing it effectively. Um, and so a good example of this is Dodd-Frank and Trump's rolling back of regulations in regard to the banking industry that then you could point to and say, 
possibly that's why we saw these bank collapses um, or at least individual ones or the railroad industry and the rolling back of uh, regulations in regard to the railroad industry and maybe that's why um, certain train derailments are happening and so these regulations often have a purpose but in the name of all regulations are bad and are a burden we roll back important ones um, or at least the GOP does and people support that when it actually hurts them and these oversimplified messages are often so counterproductive and so um, void of nuance for the purpose of serving a really bad agenda. Then you have Jared Moskowitz here taunting the GOP over this hearing. It's titled, The Biden Administration Campaign to Bury America in Red Tape. This, this. For podcast listeners, he's holding up a roll of red duct tape. This is their hearing. Literally, just red tape with Joe Biden's name written on it. Just make it real simple for people. That's the point of this hearing. It's not about solving problems. It's about red painter's tape with Joe Biden's name written on it. And look what Joe Biden has done. Look, it's right there. Here's the proof. It's titled, The Biden... Mm. <laughs> Hilarious. Um, I'll show you one more moment from Jared Moskowitz uh, here. I know it's inconvenient timing, but perhaps we actually need more regulation with presidents taking nuclear codes and cuddling with them and showering with them in their homes. You know, I want to answer uh, the representative's question on ATF and pistol braces. Has that ever happened before? Well, in fact, yes. It happened under the Trump administration. With Trump's ATF, they banned bump stocks. Bump stocks were legal, and then they weren't. The Trump administration's ATF did that. By the way, good decision. People shouldn't be able to turn guns into automatic weapons. So hilarious joke at the beginning there uh, in regard to Trump and then getting to one of the regulations that they're complaining about is an example, they'll say, of Biden's regulation state is an ATF um, regulation that recently somewhat recently was put into place to more heavily regulate what are called pistol braces uh, and by the way in case you're wondering the atf of course is the bureau of alcohol tobacco firearms and explosives and uh they're trying to more heavily regulate pistol braces which make certain pistols more like a rifle more dangerous in that way and so they're trying to make those more rest uh, restricted more regulated but not preventing or banning them um, just more heavily regulating them and that is too far for the GOP and so they're unhappy with it very much so and Jasmine Crockett discusses the same subject here uh, there was conversation about ATF because my colleagues love to talk about their guns baby uh, and I'm from Texas so let me be clear I also own firearms. Let me scream. Democrats own guns too. Let me make it clear. I, I own guns and I'm licensed to carry. That is a regulation. Regulations aren't necessarily bad. It didn't stop me from being able to get a gun. Um, so we were talking about, or y'all were talking about the ATF, which I wasn't going there. I didn't plan to go there. Uh, but you know what? I, I honestly wish the ATF would run amok because we know that seemingly the people that run this chamber don't have the courage to come up with one of the things we've heard is common sense regulations when it comes to guns. And to be clear, our constitution, the second amendment anticipates 
people having common sense. Unfortunately, we have not done that. And unfortunately, it has cost us lives. So when you were testifying a little bit earlier, you talked about unintended consequences and the fact that we are supposed to be able to anticipate that as lawmakers when we are writing laws. Unfortunately, not only have we ignored the unintended consequences, but we've got foreseeable consequences that are continually ignored. And that is why we are talking about regulation, at least on this side of the aisle, and our definition of common sense is one that doesn't keep us in the pockets of corporations, but keeps us in the pockets of the people. Absolutely. Um, and one of the points she's making there is Maybe the reason, Republicans, you feel like the ATF is overextending, is uh, overstepping with these recent regulations is because Congress is not doing its job. Because based on the obstruction of the GOP, Congress is not implementing the common sense policies that would more heavily regulate um, firearms to protect human lives. Not taking away your Second Amendment, just more properly regulating very dangerous um, killing tools and so the atf because of congress's inaction maybe feels a little more obligated to do what the atf can do within its capacity within its authority to regulate these dangerous uh weapons and protect lives and it is kind of back to our conversation about bumper sticker politics it is so unfortunate that a lot of firearm owners such as jasmine crockett are actually, um, and the unfortunate part is that they still don't support the correct politicians. The fortunate part is that they're actually for, many of them, very common sense policies in a vacuum. When you discuss with firearm owners, um, policies such as universal background checks, uh, red flag laws, raising the age to purchase firearms, and many others, even I've posed to many gun owners myself, the idea of a driver's license like structure for firearms and they're on board in a vacuum but then many of them aren't like jasmine crockett and don't follow that through to supporting the correct uh politicians who would implement those common sense policies because while over here they can have a conversation and go you know what that would make sense like a driver's license for a gun you can still get a gun but you just go through training and you have to go check in every so often and maybe have some sort of examination um once it gets to the politics of it, oh no, the Democrats, the Democrats, I've, the bumper sticker of it is that the Democrats are taking away your Second Amendment and Republicans are protecting your freedom. But that's not the reality um, at all. And the prevailing view within the, the Democratic Party is actually to allow you to have your Second Amendment, but just regulate these dangerous killing tools more often um, and possibly ban certain ones such as uh, AR-15s and AR-15 type weapons like... Um, assault weapons generally and we can do very reasonable things and you can still be a gun owner you could still like going to the gun range or whatever um and that's what's unfortunate is so many people get tricked by the branding of the republicans oh but they're, they're holding guns in their ads and they're telling me the democrats are taking away my rights and they end up supporting the gop when in reality in a nuanced discussion many of which I've had with as someone as Jasmine Crockett does who lives in Texas um, and, and has my whole life. So many conversations with people that when you strip the partisanship out of it, actually like the idea of common sense policies. They do. But then you add the layer of partisanship, you add the dishonest narratives from the GOP, and all of a sudden they're voting for Republican politicians. It is really unfortunate. 
speaking of these GOP hearings that don't go well for them, um, Eric Swalwell pointed out a pretty devastating point that we've talked about in the past in regard to um, the border. That's what this hearing is about. And it's supposed to be saying Biden is horribly mismanaging the border and has opened the border and all these things. And we've talked about how there are real problems at our southern border, humanitarian, logistical, but lying about what the Biden administration is doing and lying about the border being open and there's no border security is not at all productive. It's not at all what you would be doing if you were serious about putting forward solutions to any problems we're experiencing. And uh, Eric Swalwell points out that one of the dishonest narratives they run with is actually serving the exact opposite goal than the one they say they're trying to serve. He asks a question to Eleanor Acer of Human Rights First um, that makes this point. Take a look. Also wanted uh, to ask, what effect do you think it has, uh, Ms. Acer, when my colleagues across the aisle and Republicans say that we have open borders? And in fact, the title of the hearing today is Open Borders, Closed Case. Do you think if you are south of our border and you're looking for somewhere to go to keep your family safe and to find some livelihood, if you hear people falsely declaring that the border's open, do you think that makes you more or less likely to try and go to the United States because you think the border's open? I don't know how much migrants actually listen to, um, you know, to, to, to these hearings, but, um, but you're right in that um, I've heard Mexican officials say they wished that U.S. politicians would actually stop saying that the border was open because they thought that was really sending the wrong message. And sometimes disinformation, inaccurate information does get into Facebook groups um, that many migrants do follow. Uh, thank you. Yeah, it's something we've talked about in the past. If you were actually concerned as a Republican about high border crossing numbers, then why would you falsely say the border's open? There's no border security. There's no law being enforced at the border. You can come across. You don't have to go through the, the legal asylum seeking process or go to a legal checkpoint. Just walk on across. You wouldn't say that because that's not accurate. Number one, and honesty is important. And also... You would think intuitively that that would encourage more individuals. Oh, great. I don't have to go through any legal process. I can just walk um, across and, and be good to go. And it's so dishonest on the part of the Republican Party, as we've talked about extensively. But I will say, as I always do in regard to these conversations about the border, there are real solutions that we could be discussing. And I do think we should be discussing solutions. It's not that there aren't real problems with our southern border. But number one, it's so hard to have those conversations when the other side's priority seems just to be fear-mongering about human beings um, and fear-mongering about this whole subject instead of actually discussing solutions. Um, and also, one of the big solutions, we've talked about how investing in and coordinating with the countries that individuals are migrating from because the conditions in those countries has to do a lot with why people are migrating. Um, that's a huge thing. But also just understanding that the United States can handle a lot of legal immigration, and that's why we should expand our legal immigration process, make it more effective so more people are encouraged to and can go through our legal immigration process. Um, and we'll have a shot in our legal immigration process. Don't feel the need to um, go about it any other way. And that would be another 
way to address this this subject, but the Republican Party doesn't like that because the idea of more legal immigration, even though it's absolutely beneficial um, to this country. We've talked about the specifics of that, um, the facts on that in the past many times, is a non-starter for them. And so then if there's no real solutions that they want to actually put forward, it just has to be fear-mongering about a problem um, and fear-mongering about people. And then we get nowhere. And it's really unfortunate. And a great example of that dishonesty is the fact that they're actually violating their own purported principle or their own purported goal, which is to not have high border crossings. But they're putting out a message far and wide that seems to be encouraging the exact opposite and falsely saying, Biden's opened the border. Come on, Biden's opened the border. And that's just not the case at all. Let's talk about real solutions. Let's talk about how to, yes, have the United States, uh, interest in mind and also the interest of the human beings um, seeking a better life in mind and let's talk about reforming our legal immigration process and absolutely we can have a border that has good border security and all of that um, but none of those discussions can happen if you're being dishonest when you come to the table to have those conversations fox news is just going off the rails which is a strange phrase i guess to use because what rails are they? Have they ever been on? I don't know. Um, but if there were any rails they were on left, they're off of them now. And I have an example of that for you um, here. Take a look at the Chiron, the lower third um, on this recent Fox News segment. It's a Fox News alert. And I'll show you this and then I'll play the video. It says wannabe dictator. This is while Trump is speaking at Bedminster and Biden speaking at the White House. And it says, wannabe dictator speaks. And before I read the rest of it, if you're going to say that, who would that be referring to? If there's Trump and Biden on the screen, who would the wannabe dictator be? Okay, but then I'll read the rest to it, rest of it to you. Uh, wannabe dictator speaks at the White House after having his political rival arrested. They're saying Biden is the wannabe dictator who got Trump arrested. Now, of course, Biden didn't get Trump arrested. Trump got Trump arrested. No, um, sort of. But the special counsel who was appointed by the attorney general um, did the investigation. And none of these statements about Biden locking up Trump, even though Biden's not a part of the investigation, none of them address the evidence against Trump that is extremely, extremely damning. And are you saying that just because Trump happens to be a political figure, he shouldn't be held accountable for that evidence? I don't think you should be saying that. Um, but think about a, a network that calls itself a news channel, Fox News Channel, that has a lower third, the news, a Fox News alert that calls Biden the wannabe dictator who got his political rival arrested. And what's very funny, not funny, but um, terrifying and dishonest, is if you're going to call one of these individuals a wannabe dictator, Trump is quite literally the one who attempted to install himself president after he lost to the other guy on screen, Biden. He attempted to overthrow our democratic process. That seems sort of wannabe dictator-ish, right? That seems like he doesn't respect our democratic process. But he attempted the alternate elector scheme, pressuring officials in Georgia, um, encouraging his followers on January 6th to do what they did, trying to block the certification with Pence, with the fake elector scheme. That is a wannabe uh, dictator move. 
but instead they call Biden a wannabe dictator. And I want to show you, this was so embarrassing to them that during a recent press conference with uh, Karine Jean-Pierre, the White House press secretary, they were covering it live. And then right whenever a journalist asked a question about the fact that that was on Fox News previously, they cut uh, Karine Jean-Pierre's mic and start trying to um, get to something else. Take a look at this. Last night, um, Fox News ran a Chiron that uh, referred to the president as a wannabe dictator. And I'm wondering if the White House has any comment on that. So look, there are probably about 787 million things that I can say about this uh, that was wrong uh, about what we saw last night, but I don't think I'm going to get into it. There's no comment from White House. I, I think I just commented. All right, so we'll continue to listen for any of the top stories that she might be addressing in that White House press briefing. Yeah, room. yeah, let's move on. This is... 787, don't make that joke, we're, we're leaving. Uh, obviously, as uh, major allegations are wages against the current president, uh, obviously after the arrest of the former president, Donald Trump, uh, we are gonna get back in there. Our reporters in the room, and we'll certainly continue to monitor for news out of the White House. A Florida family was caught off guard. After <laughs> Wait, did the other host call it outrageous? In that White House press briefing room, uh, obviously, as uh, major allegations are wages against the current president, uh, obviously, after the arrest of the former. OK, no, she didn't. Wow, that is funny. That's embarrassing. So, of course, she saw it there, but I know the audio wasn't incredible. The reporter, the journalist asks, the Fox News Chiron had wannabe dictator describing Biden on screen. Do you want to respond to that? And then Green John Pierre goes, hmm, I have about 787 million things to say about that. And then, oh, turn down the mic. We're going to move to something else. My goodness. Very humiliating. Fox News is anything but a news channel. This is really um, fascinating and good. We won't spend a whole lot of time on it, but just quickly to update you on this, a new poll, this is from Mediate, released by Gallup, reports record high numbers in support of abortion rights at all stages. Gallup's latest poll reported that 69% of respondents agree that abortion should be uh, should generally be legal in the first three months of pregnancy. The number outdoes the previous high of 67% reported last May after the draft of Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization was leaked uh, while abortion at other stages of pregnancy did not have as much support the percentage of respondents expressing support still increased gallup said 37 percent said abortion should be legal in the second three months of pregnancy and 22 percent in the last three months of pregnancy the highest number since 1996 as a reminder late-term abortions as republicans fearmonger about only happen in medically necessary incidents um uh, situations that the story they tell of it's the ninth month of pregnancy and a woman just, eh, never mind. Fetus is healthy. Um, I'm healthy. Everything's good, but never mind. It just doesn't happen. Um, but when it's necessary, it's necessary. Life's at risk. Uh, fetus no longer viable. When it comes to moral opinions of abortion, a record 52% said abortion is morally acceptable, matching last year's all-time high. This is 10 percentage points above the historical average since 2001. The higher numbers are directly correlated to the Dobbs decision. As Gallup reports, a 61% majority of Americans think overturning Roe v. Wade, thus ending constitutional protection for abortion rights and returning the matter to the states was a bad thing, while 38% consider it a good thing. That is a clear overwhelming majority 
of Americans who want abortion rights to be protected. Um, but the GOP doesn't care, obviously, about that. And this is what is hopeful to me, excuse me, about um, the next few elections. Because you're going to have, goodness guys, sorry, um, the holding in a little little burp there uh the MAGA republican party what has become it's so radical it's so extreme that you have that in an election plus anti-abortion anti-abortion right candidates the gop is going to have a hard hard time being effective in these races and i hope that's the case and i hope they eventually learn their lesson probably though they won't Mike Pence responded once again to the indictment of Donald Trump on federal criminal charges in regard to his handling of classified documents um, and everything related to that. And even Mike Pence is having a hard time any longer calling this just political persecution. Now, he still says the DOJ is politicized and there's a two-tier justice system but referring to it being between Republicans and Democrats, not the powerful and the not powerful um, and well-connected, but says he can't defend what's being alleged in this indictment, which how could you? The evidence is damning. The evidence is clear and presented effectively and just so hard to argue against. And so even Mike Pence, and I'll remind you of what he said last time he was asked about this before the indictment um, came down and was unsealed. Um, but this is what he had to say. My my years on the International Relations right. Committee, and uh, and look, I, I had a chance to review the indictment over the weekend, uh, and this indictment contains serious charges, and I cannot defend what is alleged. Uh, I, I, I will tell you, as, as a not only as a former vice president, but also m my son's a Marine, my son-in-law is a Navy lieutenant. I mean the. The very prospect that what is alleged here took place, creating an opportunity where highly sensitive classified material could have fallen into the wrong hands, even inadvertently, that, that jeopardizes our national security. It puts at risk the men and women of our armed forces. And as I said, I, I can't defend what is alleged, but uh, the former president has a right uh, to his day in court. Uh, I know he's pled not guilty. and. Uh, at the end of the day, though, Joe, as you suggested, I, I can't, I, I just can't, uh, uh, I, I can't believe that politics didn't play some role here. Mm. We have seen the politicization. I, I just, what was the talking point I wanted to get to? I, 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 oh, it's politicized. It's all politicized. The Biden administration did something wrong somehow, even though I just said I can't defend what's in the indictment, but also... He should have been indicted, but he shouldn't have, but he'll have his day in court. Who's saying he's not going to have his day in court? Obviously, you're agreeing with all the, the libs that you uh, dislike. And let me remind you of his last response to, to this. Um, now, he's not agreeing on the politicization point, but he's agreeing on have your day in court, but we can't defend what's in the document at all. Take a look at this. This is from CNN Town Hall. That kind of behavior. I mean, when I informed the Department of Justice that we had classified materials potentially in our home, they were at my home. The FBI was on my front doorstep the next day. But isn't and what the we found out was that when Joe Biden apparently alerted the Department of Justice 80 days later. 
But, sir, they showed up at his office. That's not equal treatment sir, under the law. Sir, and I we've got to end. I There's understand you're talking. Here. Well, he immediately turned over the documents, sir. About equal treatment. But the question is allegation that an investigation into obstruction, which you clearly did not do, if that is uh, something that investigators. Gosh, his breathing. Sorry, I'm really annoyed right now. See as possible, even enough potentially to indict the former president. Uh, do you think that that should, <laughs> should go forward? Well, I would, I would hope not. I, I really would, Dana. I mean, there's several reasons for that. Number one is I think it, I think it would be terribly divisive to the country. I mean, at a time when the American people are hurting, I mean to tell you, families are struggling right now with record inflation. We have a, we have a crisis at our border, the likes of which we've never seen. Okay, and that means that Trump shouldn't be held accountable for putting our national defense at risk by handling these documents in the way that he did and uh, obstructing an investigation and lying to federal authorities, things that other non-Trump people would absolutely be held accountable for legally, um, non-powerful, well-connected, wealthy individuals would absolutely be locked up for doing the things that Trump did. Um, so back then he said, oh, we shouldn't have a situation in this country where a former president is getting locked up, not locked up, is getting indicted. We'll see if he gets locked up after the trial and all that. But um, that just would send a horrible message. Yeah, but see, the, the point is, Mike Pence, it would send a bad message if we didn't hold someone accountable just because they're a former president. It sends a bad message that he did the things he did, but now he should be held accountable for them. Um, and I guess Mike Pence is coming around to that, even though he still will include the caveat of, but there is a two-tier justice system. Okay, Mike. Donald Trump apparently is terrified about the indictment, about um the criminal charges against him in regard to his handling of classified documents all of the related items there the obstruction the lying to authorities uh conspiring to keep these these sensitive documents from authorities and i think even though publicly he's putting on a brave face he is absolutely understanding just how damning the evidence is in this indictment um as we've discussed, and his former chief of staff, John Kelly, said this. This is a part of a recent uh, Washington Post report. Quote, he's scared, I'll say poopless, but you can fill in the term there, uh, said John Kelly, he, his former chief of staff. This is, quote, this is the way he compensates for that. He gives people the appearance he doesn't care by doing this. For the first time in his life, it looks like he's being held accountable. Up until this point in his life, it's like, I'm not going to pay you. Take me to court. He's never been held accountable before. And now he's scared S-less, uh, John Kelly, his former chief of staff, says. And then Maggie Haberman of the New York Times said this on uh, CNN. Very angry the next day when he saw the indictment. He was especially rattled by the photographs that were in uh, the doc in the indictment, he actually referenced the photographs, some of them anyway, uh, from the stage tonight behind the podium. Um, but then he has moments of almost ebullience. And, you know, it, it's hard for people around. So one of the points she was making is that he goes ups and up and down. Um, he has ups and downs. 
but he is especially rattled, she pointed out, by the photographic evidence that's included in this indictment. And I think generally he is especially rattled. And the way that he is able to react to the Manhattan DA investigation, I think more effectively impacts certain people, not myself, but people who aren't even hardcore Trump supporters still kind of resonate with the points he might make his defense there. Um, and we've broken them down in, in the past, but on this, the points don't land. His defense is weak. We went over previously in the show, his speech in Bedminster, New Jersey, his defense of this whole situation, at least publicly, is a disaster. And so you understand why, and I'm glad to see that he is terrified. He is especially rattled. That is very good news because it is yet another indication of the fact that he may actually end up being held accountable. Um, and that's a really good thing. Thank you all so much for watching and listening to today's show. I will have much more on tomorrow's show, including um, coverage of my interviews outside the federal courthouse of Miami with Trump supporters. I will see you then.